Certification 101 podcast, a series of episodes where we talk about certification, what it is, who does it, and get into the details on certification best practices. Today on the show, we're going to talk about impartiality and how that impacts certification policies and procedures. Stay tuned. Excited to have you here for episode five. Hope everyone is doing well, and I'm grateful that you're continuing to listen to this podcast. You've made it to five episodes. I think a couple episodes ago, I said something about starting with 34 topics I wanted to cover and then getting to 37 by the end of that episode prep. Well, now I'm at 53 topics, including the previous ones, so my ideas are outpacing my production here. Hopefully, that means there's a lot of good quality stuff to talk about in the future. So in the last episode, we talked about the ISO standards and how it gives the building blocks for certification. Today, we're going to start diving into those blocks and talking about impartiality as the first item that certification bodies need to figure out and implement. So we're really starting to get down into the weeds. These next few episodes are really about how certification bodies are built and some best practices within them. So what is impartiality? Well, impartiality at its core is just fairness. It's treating everyone equally. Sounds simple, right? And so with that, I'll see you in episode 6. Well, no, I guess not. It's actually much more complicated than that. Impartiality is important because without being impartial, the confidence of the certifications would be eroded. The whole system of certifications is built on the concept of impartiality. That people, products, processes, etc. are all evaluated fairly and equally, and therefore, when someone gets certified, it's a testament to their ability to meet the criteria, not their ability to pay someone. Certification is not a measurement of resources, although resources are needed. It's a measurement of competence. So impartiality in that area is very important. There's really two pieces to consider here. The first is just actual impartial practices at the CB. And the second is the appearance of impartiality, which in my opinion is also equally important. So let's start with the first, actual impartiality. In practice, this means that as a CB, you treat everyone the same. All applicants for certification must meet the same criteria. There may be allowances in certain standards for different sets of rules, for different levels, such as perhaps new applicants must meet more rigorous criteria, while returning applicants must meet less stringent criteria, because maybe it's felt the returning ones will already have the proper systems in place to enact the certification process. But still, the outcome should be the same. Certification can only be achieved by meeting the standard, and that can only be achieved by being impartial. So most CBs will need to assess their internal risks for impartiality issues, and if you're not doing this, you should. So in general, the process I've used is to assemble all the potential areas of bias and just list them out. So some ones that I've identified in the past from CBs I've worked at are high-level leaders applying pressure to the certification process, or the CB is owned by another company, or a high-level customer threatens to leave for a different CB, kickbacks or bribes, employees at the company owning or working at customer companies at the same time, employees coming from a customer, employees coming from a competitor's certification body, employee pressures of work and profit requirements, your field auditors being influenced by gifts, or providing consulting services to a customer. And there are 
many others. This is just a short list. I think at a previous CB we identified something like 25 risk areas on our list. And to be clear, these are not situations that happen, just potential ones that we identified as possible. Therefore, we need mitigation for these and all the rest. Some are more obvious than others, and some are far more likely than others, but it's critical to identify the risks as your starting point. Once you've done that, go through and evaluate how likely each one is on some sort of rating scale. Then, once you've identified the most likely ones, put aggressive mitigation in place for those areas. You'll still likely need to identify mitigation for all of them, or at a minimum state why you are not mitigating. So once you've identified all those various areas, we need some mitigation. Some common mitigation strategies could be, you may require employees to sign that they do not have any conflicts of interest prior to performing any work on a certification project, or assign employees to certain non-critical areas of the process while you wait a designated period of time to pass so their risk is lowered. This is especially useful when you hire someone from another CB. You may avoid providing consultancy to any current or potential customer. You are only a certification body, so you do not assist in people getting certified. You assess their ability to meet the requirements. You may have an outside group evaluate policies and procedures. I've used what's called an advisory council, which is an outside group of experts that helps the certification body. We'll explore this in a different episode, but the point here is they provide some oversight over the impartiality process. You have to defend your impartiality ratings and mitigation to this group and explain what happens in terms of breaches of impartiality. Or you may provide statements of impartiality publicly. I've seen this in FAQ sections of websites as well as certification contracts. Or if you have an appeals process, ensure it is handled by independent people from the original evaluators. There's tons of other ways to deal with impartiality, but the point is you need to really assess it and think outside the box. It's the cornerstone of your certification, and it's why we're dealing with it first. So put some time into it. So let's do a few examples. The first example is if you think it is likely that your certification body employees are going to be bribed to offer completed certification services without meeting the criteria, maybe you establish a double process where every step must be signed off by two separate individuals. This can obviously make the process longer and more complicated, but it would address the impartiality issue. A second example, and maybe it's a more likely scenario, is you are owned by a larger company that has a different set of customers than you do. This has happened with me at CBs I've worked at, and it is especially likely at a trade association situation. So your largest trade association members may perhaps pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in dues annually to the trade association, and they might expect special pricing or less rigorous evaluation because they are large members. This happens more often than I think anyone wants to admit, and I've had many conversations over the years with large customers, and I've had to tell them it doesn't matter what you do for the parent company. You're a certification client, and you need to meet X criteria just like everyone else. The trade association appreciates the support, but membership does not grant certification benefits. They don't like it, and they will complain about it, potentially up the ladder to your leadership, but it's necessary to draw the line in the sand and make sure everyone, both internal and external, understands your impartiality stance. So these are just two examples, and we could spend a whole episode on examples, but the point is, once you've identified your risks and your mitigation, you're well on your way. In addition to all these strategies, you need an internal group to review impartiality procedures, mitigation, and any breaches, at least annually, usually in the internal audit, but it could be any time. You're ultimately the best position to determine your own impartiality. Integrity in this process is very important. 
Integrity within the CB is one of the most valued assets because so much of the process rests on the impartiality argument. So once you've established these processes, you hopefully have mitigated the actual impartiality issues that typically crop up. But the appearance of impartiality is also important. So what do I mean by this? Well, if a company has a low reputation in your industry and is suddenly certified by you, that reeks of a breach of impartiality. Someone might say, if company A, who has a terrible product, got certified, why should we go with them as a CB? Or even worse, why should we get certified to begin with? It's just a corrupt system. That's actually one of the main arguments against certification. The idea is if someone is coming to you and paying you tens of thousands of dollars to certify them, how can you turn them away? It's a measurement of integrity to suggest that not everyone meets the certification requirements. So appearances are important. As a CB, you need to be ready to answer this question from customers when it inevitably comes up. So this should be front and center on your websites, in your marketing materials, in your PowerPoints to customers. Talk about your impartiality methods and mitigation strategies and why you think they work. Use that as a method to attract business and state how your certification mark is more valuable because of your rigorous practices. This will help address those impartiality appearances. So once you've done both approaches, both the actual risk mitigation and the appearances, you successfully addressed impartiality as best you can. You will not necessarily be able to eliminate all impartiality issues, which is why regular review is necessary and important. But it is the first step in creating a viable certification body. And that brings us to the end of this episode, where we talked about impartiality. Thanks for listening to the Certification 101 podcast. I've been your host, Tom Spoden, and I'm looking forward to talking with you in the future. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we're going to talk about liability, financing, and insurance as a certification body. Looking forward to talking with you then. Take care.